I want to thank Marty Lessie who made our flags that are out in the front that we put up every uh, Pentecost to signify the flame of the Spirit. Hope you saw it as you drove in. No, we're not selling condominiums here. It's the flame of the Holy Spirit. She's a very artistic woman. We have another very artistic person uh, here at Mount O. Many of you have noticed the uh, panels that are up here with the sheep and the beautiful hand-done panels that we uh, debuted at our 50th anniversary. Those were done by Jonathan Hickerson, who is a regular attender and active at the Mount and has been for many years. And uh, Jonathan's right over here this morning. Say thank you to Jonathan for his beautiful artwork. And people using their gifts uh, for the Lord in, in true ways. We go further in Acts chapter 2, and I want to read verses 36 through 39. This is what happens later on that Pentecost. Listen. Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 39. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. May God bless our understanding, the reading of this, His Word. Amen. Well, happy Pentecost, everyone. Pentecost Sunday is when churches celebrate the giving of the Holy Spirit from the Son and the Father. Pentecost means, as a word, it means 50 days, 50 days. Uh, Pentecost was a Jewish festival celebrating the grain harvest, and it always came 50 days after the Jewish Passover. Remember, Jesus was crucified, rose again on the Jewish Passover. But in this particular time, something happened in Jerusalem after Pentecost Uh, after Jesus had been crucified and was seen alive again that was very different. And we read about this in Acts chapter 2. Jesus had told his disciples to stay in the city to wait for the promise of the Father. And he told them that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Apparently, having lived with Jesus and seen all that he did was not enough and is not enough for the way God intends us to live. Apparently, witnessing Jesus' cross and resurrection firsthand was not enough. Just having the desire to serve God is not enough because Jesus' disciples, those apostles, had all of that. But Jesus said to his followers, you need more. And on the day of Pentecost, that more came as God poured out the Holy Spirit upon those disciples waiting and praying in Jerusalem. So Pentecost has come to be known for Christians, not as a harvest festival, but as the day the Holy Spirit was given in his fullness. And so today is a good day to see how the Holy Spirit is at the core of Christian faith. There's a man named Stanley Hauerwas who teaches at at Duke University. Any Duke grads here? Anybody study at Duke? Oh, yeah, here we have a couple right there. I thought I'd mention that. But uh, he was also once called by Time magazine the best theologian in America. Uh, But whether he is or not, he said this, and I think it's important. Theology is the delicate art 
necessary for the Christian community to keep its story straight. I would like to think that's what we're doing with these sermons on core Christianity. We are keeping our story straight. There's a lot of things to Christianity and and belief and doctrine or theology, whatever you want to call it, certainly is not all that there is. But we do need to pay attention to what we believe so that we keep our story straight. And in this series, we're taking just the basic, just the essential things of Christian faith to understand our story. Because the God who has revealed himself in the Bible, who we worship, who calls us into a relationship with him, is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, I think we have a fairly good sense of God the Father, the Creator, who's overall. And I would be willing to bet we can say a lot, and we know about, a lot about Jesus Christ, His Son, our Redeemer, the Lord. But the Holy Spirit? We can be pretty unsure about Him, about His whereabouts, about what difference He makes, if He makes any difference to us. We kind of have a vague understanding, at best, maybe. But the Spirit is not a side dish to Christian faith. He's not like one of these optional things when you go to buy a car and the salesperson says, well, you could have this feature too, you could have this feature too, you could have this feature too, it's optional. The Spirit's not optional in Christian faith. Pentecost was not the beginning of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God has been present from before all time. Second chapter of the Bible, second verse of the Bible, Genesis, we see the Spirit hovering, sweeping over, vibrating over, all those things are in the Hebrew word there, over the waters at creation. In the Old Testament, we see that the Spirit comes upon special people at special times to give them special gifts and spurt for special purposes. But the prophet said a day would come when God would come upon all people as God pours out His Spirit, not just on special people, but upon all people. Of all levels of society, men and women. And not only that, he would put his spirit inside of people. John the Baptist said when the Messiah comes, he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit came as a violent, mighty wind, tongues of fire, Peter preaches that now what those Old Testament prophets had been talking about, it's happening. He quotes the prophet Joel, says that the Father and Son are now pouring out the Spirit upon all people. He is coming like the fullness of a mighty rain shower upon them. And Pentecost pushed those followers of Jesus out into the streets with boldness, with power to preach. In some ways, it was the start of what we call church. Because ever since, the church has been gathering and growing and moving in mission and ministry in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is the Holy Spirit, though? And what does he do? I mean, who exactly is the Holy Spirit, and what does he do? I'm going to take us on a very quick kind of whirlwind tour through the Scriptures um, on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. For the sake of time, I'm not going to cite book, chapter, and verse. Will you trust me that these things are said of the Holy Spirit in the Bible? Go look them up anyway. I think you'll find them. There's many of them, and that's why I don't have time to go through all of them, but uh, you can find them. Many are obvious. The Holy Spirit is the third person of what we call the Trinity, who is God. He is also, the Spirit has always been in relationship with the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is a person. 
not an it, but a person, in that he thinks, he feels, he speaks, he communicates, he hears, he knows, he has personality, if you will. The Holy Spirit revealed the mind of God to the Old Testament prophets, and he gave boldness to the apostles to proclaim Christ. The Spirit came upon Mary to bring about the divine, miraculous birth of Jesus. So unified is he with Jesus that sometimes the Spirit is called the Spirit of Christ. And when Jesus was baptized, it says the Spirit descended upon him. Not only that, but in the Gospels we read that the Spirit uh, was Uh, filled Jesus. Jesus was full of the Spirit. He was anointed by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. He lived in the power of the Spirit. That should tell us something right there. The Holy Spirit teaches us about Jesus, and He takes what is Jesus, and He gives it to us and makes it known to us. The Spirit convicts us when we're wrong before the Lord, shows us what is right. He enables us to speak about God. He gives us gifts or abilities to be used to serve the church, to serve other people. These are spiritual gifts. They can be gifts of preaching, teaching, organizing, serving, praying, knowledge, wisdom, uh, to name a few of what is a list that could be endless. The Spirit helps us to pray, and He prays in us. He makes us belong to God and marks us as being saved by Christ. He comforts, guides, and helps us in our daily lives. He leads us to experience God. The Spirit anoints us and inspires us to serve, to live for God with power, sometimes supernaturally enabling us to do things that on our own power would be unimaginable. He testifies and speaks to our hearts and consciences about what God wants us to be and do. He brings us to life spiritually right now, But he will also, it says, raise us in our physical resurrection after our death. He makes us and confirms, he makes us and confirms for us that we're sons, daughters of God. He enlightens our hearts and inner being to receive wisdom and revelation. He helps us have fruitful lives and he grows in us what is called the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. All those things come from the Spirit. He transforms us more and more into what God wants us to be. His character is always unity. He is never divisive. He can only be received by those who want and who believe in Christ. Jesus called him the Spirit of truth. He's also called the promise of the Father. He cannot be earned or manufactured. He is a gift. And he's given to all those who turn to and belong to Jesus Christ to help us live for and with him. And there is probably much, much, much more that can be said about the Holy Spirit um, and what he does for us. He's essential. That's just kind of a whirlwind of the Spirit. But perhaps the most important thing that the Holy Spirit does is he helps us see and know and understand Jesus Christ. He shines understanding and light on the person of Jesus. His job is to make clear, to magnify, to put the spotlight on Christ. You know, it's interesting after Pentecost, the Spirit comes and the disciples now don't go running around talking about the Spirit. They don't wear Spirit t-shirts. They don't wear Spirit, wave Spirit flags. They run around talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. In his book on the Holy Spirit, it's uh, subtitled, The Shy Member 
of the Trinity. Dale Bruner says this, that the work of the Holy Spirit is the honoring of Jesus Christ. The work of other spirits is the honoring of themselves or of other realities. He says, we're not necessarily in the presence of the Holy Spirit when we are in the presence of a great deal of talk about the Holy Spirit. But where a person or a church centers thoughtfully or honoring on honoring the person, the teaching, the work of Jesus Christ, there we may be quite sure we are in the presence of the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit's work is the thoughtful honoring of Christ. The Holy Spirit does not center on the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said the Holy Spirit does not speak anything on his own. He only speaks what he receives from the Son and what he hears from the Son. So this is who the Spirit is and what he does. But why does he matter? And why does any of that matter? What difference does it make what we believe about the Spirit or what we think about him? I mean, isn't he optional? Well, think about this, okay? Jesus is not here anymore. In that he was physically here. He walked this earth. He talked. He lived. He did things. But now he is in heaven at the right hand of God. Jesus is gone. So how are we going to have him? How are we going to know him? How are we going to experience him? He has sent the Holy Spirit as his presence now. When people were trying to make sense of all the commotion that was happening in Jerusalem that day, Peter says, well, now Jesus is exalted at the right hand of God. He's received from the Father the promise of the Spirit, and he's pouring out this, what you both see and hear. Jesus told his disciples that he was going to go away. He said, I'm not going to be here. But It was to their advantage. He says, it's even to your advantage that I go away because the Spirit who's able to be God with and in everyone everywhere would then come. I mean, if Jesus isn't here with us, how do we know? How do we sense? How do we experience him? How can he be with us? How can he be through us? Well, it's through the Spirit. And man, if Jesus needed him and did have him, how much more do we? Is there someone here who would exempt themselves if Jesus had the Spirit? Do we not need the same? Do we not have the same? Why do we need the Spirit? Because we need God to be with us and in us. And that is who the Spirit is and what He does. He can be with everyone, everywhere, at all times. And because He is God, then God is with us and at all times, at all places. But here's another reason that this matters. Can you live the life of faith on your own? Can you love or forgive or pray or do anything for God on your own? If not, who and what will help you? Yes, God will help. I know that. But what is his plan for that and what part of him is going to do that? The answer is the Spirit. That's why Jesus, before he left this earth, told his followers, hang out in Jerusalem and pray and wait, and they would be clothed from on high with the promised spirit. And then they could get on and be about the work that Jesus had for them and that he has for all of us. The Holy Spirit is fundamental to Christian faith and living. If someone came up to us and said, 
you know, it really doesn't matter what you believe about Jesus uh, or what you think about him. Um, just isn't important or even if you interact with him in order to be a Christian, we would gasp and we would say, well, that's not true. Yet if someone were to come up and say, you know, it doesn't matter what you think or what you, whether you interact with the spirit at all to be a Christian, we probably wouldn't say much. In essence, the Holy Spirit draws us to the life of God. And just as we can't physically be alive without, if you would, the the human spirit within us, breath, so we can't be alive to God without God's spirit in us, the breath of God, if you would. But do you know why this is so hard for us? Do you know why the Holy Spirit's so dang hard? Because he's invisible. He's immaterial. I mean, he's not made of anything. No substance. Um, No matter. And that's what spirit means, doesn't it? Again, of the three persons of the Trinity, I think the spirit seems to be the hardest for us. And because he's immaterial, we can't put him in a box. We can't control him. He can't be measured. He can't be captured. He can't be owned. I can't point him out to you. You know, We see waterfalls, we see oceans, we see mountains, we see the galaxies, we see the stars. We say, there's God the Father, there's the Creator. We read the Gospels, we we have tangible stuff on Jesus, what He said. We can picture Him, flesh and blood, everything He did. There's the Son, but the Spirit. Jesus told Nicodemus, He said, the Spirit's like the wind. You can't see Him. You're not going to see Him. He blows where he will and as he will. You can't see him. You can only see the effects of the presence of the Spirit, just as you can see the effects of the wind as it's blowing the trees, but you can't actually see the wind. Now, I believe the Holy Spirit is in this room right now. I believe in some way he's inhabiting my words. I believe he's working on your ears. He's working in your hearts in ways that can't even be quantified or uh, manifested. Can't even, can't even measure it. He's so subtle. He's so elusive. Uh, we can't conjure up formulas to receive him or to make him go and do what we want as we want. And maybe that's why so many Christians, maybe you're ignorant or apathetic or just frustrated with the whole spirit thing of the Holy Spirit. Or some just say, you know, he's really not that necessary. I'm not thinking about him. It's too hard for me. And maybe that's why sometimes we feel we lack power in our Christian lives. Because it's not all up to us. We may not be able to see him. We may not be able to grasp him. But we can feel and sense him. And I think that we can learn the signs of his presence. We can learn the signs of his presence. When I read Scripture and it begins to speak to me in any way and I sense God communicating something to me, that is the Spirit. When I sing something, when I hear something from a hymn or a song or words or phrases and it just sends chills down me or it moves me to God or I think of Him, that's the Spirit. When I should be breaking under certain stressful and painful circumstances, but I'm not, That's the Spirit. 
when I am convicted about something wrong in my life and I sense God's displeasure and I'm moved to turn around and go into a different direction, that is God's spirit. When I know and sense the forgiveness and the grace of God and I am lifted of the burden of guilt, that's the spirit. When I'm moved to pray, when I find new and fresh words to pray, For someone, when I find a power in praying, maybe even breaking out into a language that's unfamiliar to me, that is the Spirit. When I'm coming alive to God, that is the the Spirit working in my heart or mind. And when I think about, when I thirst for, when I'm attracted to God in any way, that's the Spirit. When I experience love, joy, peace, patience, and then I show that to other people, it pours out of me, it's visible, that's the Spirit. When I experience uh, strength to do something that just seems beyond me. And it's like I am being lifted up on invisible arms. I know not how. That's the spirit. Even the smallest thought, even the smallest movement toward God is evidence of the spirit doing something in us. When I find myself being drawn to and loving the community of faith, the church, Christ's people, that's the spirit. Holy Spirit's like a magnet for Jesus Christ. Like magnets attract, so the Spirit attracts us to Christ and He holds us to Him. Don't worry about getting a hold of or controlling the Spirit of God. And don't fret about getting Him. Uh, Yes, we can certainly create conditions that are more friendly for the Spirit to have room. If the less we honor Christ, the less we're going to experience the Spirit's power in our life. The more we honor Christ, the more I'm going to experience the Holy Spirit. But if you trust Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. No one can say and confess Jesus as Lord in honesty and sincerity apart from the Holy Spirit allowing us to do that. He is not, the Spirit is not just for some false category called special Christians, really spiritual Christians. He's for all believers. And quite frankly, you have him whether you want him or not. Not a choice. God has given him to you. He is in you. He's given to all believers. The Spirit's not optional any more than the battery in our car is optional. You may not see him, may not always understand him or even be aware of him, but just know that he is there. And he is living in all those who confess and who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. I've done this before, probably on other Pentecost days. But in the spirit of Pentecost, I want to end by praying for the Holy Spirit to come anew upon all of us. That's something I think we can continually pray for in our lives. So would you stand as I pray and As a sign of receptivity, openness, let's open our hands in this way, in a prayer position, that we might be ready to receive God's Spirit who is here and who is among us. Holy Spirit, fall afresh on us. Surround us. Fill us. Flow through us. Come upon us individually, but also come upon this entire body, your business is the church spirit. 
grow fruit in us, and may that fruit be visible in us and in our lives. May it not be a secret. Holy Spirit, bring living waters on any hearts, any lives that are dry this morning. Give us more of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give us more of the Lord Jesus Christ and clothe us with your power. Amen.